Hey friends, my name's Stevie Taylor. Welcome to the Gig Life Podcast. My guest today is David Sleeshman. Dave is a drummer and also the owner-director of Sleeshman Drums. Uh, we met at the Sleeshman Drum Factory in Sydney. We sat down and we talked to his musical upbringing, the history of Sleeshman Drums, um, a musical awakening, his never-ending 80s show, and we also geeked out a wee bit on all things drumming. Um, he also let me in on some exciting new Sleeshman products that are in the pipeline, so check that out. Fun chat. Laid back. Enjoy. Cheers. I think we're rolling. David Sleeshman. How did I go with that? G'day, Get very that... good. First, first, first go? First cab off. Yeah, and I didn't even ask you how to say it yeah. earlier, did I? Yeah, no, no Sleechman <laughs> or Sleechman. <laughs> Used to get called Sleazy, Sleazy at school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, or, or, yeah. Or Davy Rocket. David, David Rocket. Rocket, yeah, for also known as yeah. yeah. How are you? Man? Only the first few, only only for a couple of years now. Yeah, David Rocket. Yep. Yeah, good man. Good. Yourself? Yeah, good. That's good. good. We're at the um, Sleeshman Drum Factory here in Sydney. That's it. And um, I feel a little bit like a kid in a candy store. Yeah. So how far you reckon I'll get with one of those drums down there? Is that you see me or oh, actually that cop car's there? Eh? Yeah, there's a cop they car. They knew I was coming. So depending on how. We often have the cops here, they, they, they like it. Uh, depending on how, uh, yeah, good this podcast goes, man. You know, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> We're walking out of here with a, with a truckload of drums. Sweet ass. We, we don't yeah. know, bro. We don't know. <laughs> no, no, all good. All good. All right, man, let's, um, we'll throw it back to your your early musical upbringings and stuff because mm-hmm. you're a drummer. Mm. Um, do you play any other instruments apart from drums? No. No. No, I wouldn't do that to you. I, I dabble bits and pieces on yep. guitar, a little bit on keys, but just because they were always around. Always around, yeah. Yeah, but drums, that's that's the gig yep. for me. Always has. Yeah, you're basically well. born into drums, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. your dad started Sleeshman Drums 1971, did I get that right? Yeah, first kind of company thing yep, yep. would have been around then, yes, 71. Yep. yep. So he, there was drums around the house? Always. Always, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Dad was um, the house drummer at St. George Lee's Club in the 60s through to the mid-70s, which is kind of like the late 70s, actually. It was kind of like their golden period right. of, like, cabaret. Yep. So they had, at any one time, big acts from around Australia or overseas. They had a big orchestra that was looking after them, and he was the drummer in that yep. situation. So. He had his days well and truly free a lot. Yep. And then on top of that, um, being an inventive kind of dude, yep. he was always tinkering with his drums, yep. getting them to sound better, redoing bearing edges, taking wraps off and yep. just varnishing. And yeah, That's cool. And then, you know, uh, he got known for doing that. So um, drummers would start, come, like of that era, would come to the house and hang out and say, can you help me with this? Can you fix this? And he just slowly but surely became a bit of a Mr. Fix-It yeah. and then came up with a few ideas. The first one was the twin pedal, so our, yeah. our, our double kick pedal. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty much the first commercially made and, and marketed 
and that was 71, but prior to that was probably the late 60s, the best part of the late 60s, yeah. 68 through, was developing it. Right. Off a few guys, you know, saying, you know, they wanted to play double bass drum, but they didn't want to carry around two bass drums. Yeah. A friend of his also had a little bit of a disadvantage with his left arm. So he's like, well, you can't carry two, but you want to play. You notice he had a really good left foot. Right. His hi-hat went off for like really good nerve roll. He's like, man, you you should be playing two two bass drums. Right. So. That's fascinating. It was just the, he's that kind of guy. Like dad's that kind of guy where the, the, the light bulb goes off. And then from that, it gets to work on, 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 the, on, on the job at hand. Yeah. So he sees the end product, goes, yeah, we should do that. And then because he, he's got the kind of mind to, to deal with it, he'll work towards making it happen. Awesome. Yeah, yeah and did. That's Converted really cool. old Ludwig pedals and just started, you know, whatever he could get his hands on. And then that's pretty much, that's how the business got going. It's invention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and then he worked partners and some investors and um, obviously um, some outside help had to come in from that. And his drummer and an inventor learning how to be a businessman at the same time, which yeah. was all, all yeah. you know, we, <laughs> I don't yeah. know if we still got that part of it down pat at all. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so I came along in, yeah, 73. Yep. And that was just the world, you know. Right. And it was always drums, and he still taught, and it was like, you know, and drummers always come around, great players from all over would seek him out, come and check out what he's got and all the rest of it. So it was real organic Who were some of those earlier players that came to the house? Um, Yeah, cool. Uh, So Kenwood Denard Mm -hmm. from a long time ago. Um, Oh, wow. Um, Chad Wackerman. Back in the day when he, before he lived in Australia, yep, he yep. came out with Barbara Streisand yeah. back in the day and just right. said, we've got to find this Schlesman guy. Yeah, it was interesting how the name just travels through. It's Even back then, it was a small industry. It's, it's, it's in, once someone does something, it, it, it goes through it. Yeah. Um, Clayton Cameron, mm-hmm. who was, the, yeah, the, the brush guy. Yeah, yeah. He was Sammy Davis Jr.'s sort of protege. Yeah. And then, oh man, so many... Uh, Alan Dawson was a heavy jazz cat back in the day. And again, Dad having jazz leanings, that's a lot of those guys would, right. were, were se- serious kind of cats, yep. would come through. Oh, man, so many, so many wonderful drummers. And, of course, like back in the day, there was great Australian players as well. Warren Daly, who's a um, big band drummer, well-known, ran his own big band, the Daly Wilson big band. Uh, he was good friends with Dad, but a monster drummer. Yep. Like, Incredible swing player and just yeah badass on the drums, and of course there was ins as well like not just hanging out like dad would go and whenever the touring drummers were around he'd meet with them and show them stuff so Louis Bellson he got to go and hang out and meet with Buddy Rich and um, all those cats and then all the way through you know the seventies into the eighties it's 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 always drummers yeah you kind of name it we came across them in one form or another that's cool. But they were, the, they were the cats that were around then. And then, yeah, you know, the Weckles, not so much at home and all the rest of it, but right. we'd go and meet with them and do all that sort of stuff. And uh, Yeah, yeah. And, of course, right up to today where we've got guys like Will Calhoun. Yep. Still good friends. Um, yeah, and um, the good part about it, I was actually one other guy, Mark Riley, who became... Um, actually probably indirectly my first drum teacher he was just hanging out at home 
and learnt, originally learnt with Dad and got onto the pedals and on the snare drums, but he found himself in a fusion band called Crossfire, which was all the old Southern Cross University guys, um, Jim Kelly and whatnot on guitar, then Bloxham. Um, that, um, yeah, Mark was a phenomenal drummer. Unfortunately, uh, died in a motorbike accident um, in, I think it was either 83 or 84. Phenomenal drummer. It was like basically our... If you could mix probably Steve Gadd with a um, little bit of Vinnie Collier, probably more like, um, what's his name from the Mahavishnu Orchestra? Cobham? No, not Cobham, Latter Day. Um, Narada, Narada Michael Walden. Oh, okay, yep. That's kind of sound, right. like killer. Yep. Um, killer, but with all that groove. And unfortunately, yeah, we lost him. Mm. And um, but he was like, yeah, he was a big influence and like me early on as a kid growing up. Yep. It was just cool, yep. you know. What kind of music were you listening to? Was it because dad was jazz? It was jazz, yeah, that home? was there, that was yep. that, all that was there, yep. Um, and everything he had to learn too, because to chart stuff or to fill in stuff, that was always going on for what he had to do of an evening, yeah. So the record player was yep. going off. Right. as well as tapes, decks and all that other stuff, mm. in the lounge room, yeah. listening, he, he often have his headphones on, but it was just cool, like through, and you'd watch him charting and all the rest of it. Mm. Um, then I had two older, I've got two older sisters, so, and my mum as well, so, and they're all into music, none of, mm -hmm. there was only really me and dad that ended up being the um, musos of the family. Yep. Um, that they but they had their own distinct influence as well so dad i come from the pretty hardcore jazz drumming influence music yep. like stuff that was like the top ass drummers of the time yep. with um you know into swing and then cool like because you know dad's uh 80 and so like you've got all that real good era that that um the 40s, 40s yeah, 50s, yeah. Yep. and then the 60s. But then, of course, still great musos he was into in the 70s and early 80s as well. So, you know, your weather reports, all that early fusion-based yep. stuff which was hanging around. And then that's what guys like Mark Riley, everyone was into back then. It was just seemed like normal. That was the way the world was. Yep. But then, of course, as my sisters grew up, there was the pop element. Yep. Whatever pop element was going on through the 70s and the... 80s was definitely in there and then I had so they a, were playing that stuff yeah yeah yeah. so I had you know split ends or whatever going on yeah. at the same time as um, maybe Whitney Houston and mum's mm. got um, you know Neil Diamond and George Benson and all that sort of stuff so again though you look back at it it's all really good <laughs> regardless how you, you you spit it out and then of course another sister went more into punk so I got Dead Kennedys and yeah. um, all that kind of gear you know um we it was good because it was just that's what music was dad would rag on certain parts of their music because of the maybe the audio quality of it was like you know you listen to what you, that doesn't sound any good we, <laughs> but, uh, and then we you know but i'm just in in the middle of it and then of course you know i started getting my own little little personality happening and you know my, my first favorite was like with michael jackson and um, probably even, you know, the, whatever the pop was going at the time, Duran Duran and yep. 
I think I had a couple of breakdancing outfits as well, maybe, you know, Mate, some puffy pants, some puffy pants. Oh, uh, yeah. absolutely. Like yeah. wet kind of shirts with zippers and stuff. Yeah, I had my own lino too. I yeah, you had your own take, lino? Take, take it out, roll oh, it you out were, my boombox. Oh, you were serious. Oh, oh hard out. You were serious? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We yeah. did a, a thing in the, I think in the garage once where I had the cardboard out and cardboard I, was trying, I was trying to do it all. Yeah, just big yeah. old boxes. Yeah. The cardboard used to squash up, see, and then yeah. you'd end up with this little lull. Little concave. So you'd go and spin off the side and roll back into the middle. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like you were good at it. <laughs> I, you know, I just tried. Yeah. I just tried. But Dad, I, that's actually funny because Dad actually saw um, some guys like Louis Belson and I think um, maybe some of the funk drummers like James Brown's drummers. Mm were doing stuff in the early 80s, mid 80s, where they would play drums, like double drummers, and there'd be guys doing their rap break dancing in front of them. Yeah. And uh, York and all that sort of stuff. So yeah. it, it was just funny. We had the drum kit set up in the garage once, and he sat and played some, you know, his versions of like sort of some, some, some funky grooves while I was trying to do my silly. <laughs> no, my, with my me, it, was... it was just us. We were the only, yeah. it, was just, it was just us in the audience. That's but it was way. fun. It was fun. Yeah. And then, yeah, so I, it, it was just all, everything was organic. So drums were around, of course, there was drums being worked on, drums being made, drums being improved. And it wasn't until the late 70s that the Sleeshman system, which is getting all of the bolts and fittings off the drum, um, came about. So his next... Oh, so the free-floating thing started early, early, early. About 78. Yeah. 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 And were you the first guys to do the free floating thing? Pretty much. Pretty yeah. much, yeah. I mean, the Africans kind of had. Of course, yeah, yeah. They had their ropes yeah. and. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so it's always been there. So this, you know. Makes sense. However, it was a reverse situation from us where, again, working on drums for drummers, he had a set, I think it might have been a converted set of Ludwigs. Yep. And then there was a converted set of Camco drums. Yep. It sounded great, you know. Um, but it was these particular shells that caught his ear with nothing on them. Um, like you tip, it, it sort of like put the shell on the fingertip on the inside, hold it and get a real sort of doom yeah. note out of it with nothing yeah. on it. Um, yeah. It's, prepared, yeah. it's ready to be sprayed or whatever. And it was just that sound of just the note of the shell. He's gone, man, we, we, this is gorgeous. What? Yeah, why, and then why, again, yeah. that's that's that mind. Why would I? Why would I muffle it up with some yeah. lugs and yeah? Yeah, the way he sees it, yeah, right? So, absolutely. and then he, then straight away, bam! Um, I'll show it to you. Uh, there's a um, old snare drum that we've got here, which was his first situation. He got to going uh, on drums, but the snare drum was probably the easiest one for him to get going on. Yep. Was a, he bent a water pipe, literally a, like a one inch kind of tube water pipe? Yeah. And welded it. And stuck it around a old drawer and snare drum. Yeah. Put Ludwig snare throw off on it, and put it back together. And lo and behold, there's this nice sounding open kind of That's sounding cool. drum. It was just yeah. you know, basic as. And then just oh well, this works. So he kept doing it, kept doing it. Came up with his own. We had twin ring system. A ring up the top of the drum, a ring on the bottom of the yep. drum. That was the first yep. ones. Um, and yeah. Loving it, and again, because he's gigging every night, he's going out straight away and testing it. And yeah, that's sound cool. guys are on it or, or not a lot of time because his whole situation, because he's working in acoustic, a lot of acoustic environments, the drums actually did have to sound really good. Yep. Because there's no, you know, big mics or plate mics going on the bass drum or anything like that. You've, you're just working in an, 
a raw acoustic environment. So, and that was the, the telling factor whether the drum worked or not. And so that's what, 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 what really got them going. And he, um, again, like the pedal, started getting a name for, for doing this with the kits and just organically yep. it grew and guys would come over and want to see and hear these drums and same deal. There's always players coming into the country and yep. it just seemed like it, that, uh, it seemed like normal at the time, but you look back at it, it's not normal. It's not that, normal you know, that, that, you know, Larry London's or, or whoever at those times would, would come and want to check out the drums, um, yeah, it was just such good fun. Yeah. And um, as well as that, he then went around the world, took a round the world trip going, I've got it, I've, you know, I've got the secret sauce. Okay, yeah. Right? Yeah. I want to show this off. I want to see if any other companies might be interested in it. Who knows? You know, I could license it off or do something with it where I don't have to be the man at the bench, so to speak. So, um he went around and visited pretty much all the biggies at the time, you know. Pearl Ludwig was, was kicking with the Ludwig family still involved. Mm-hmm. Um, Sonor, he went to Germany, um, definitely went to Yamaha. He had a good time in Japan. A uh, number of um, great um, people he met there. Just didn't take in the, again, it's sort of like the um, apple before the cart before the horse, so to speak. People weren't ready weren't so ready, much yeah. for it. Yeah, gotcha. And um, big companies, often they're all thinking bottom line no matter what, right? So they dedicate R&D towards this. They're going to want to see a return pretty quickly so they don't know how it's going to go. And they got a bit scared. They see manufacturing dollars. They've got to invest in new tooling and all that stuff. Yep. And as much as we think they're big companies, they still got to run, you know, Mining their P's and Q's. So a lot of that didn't, you know, take and they're thinking, oh, well, this is all different, mate. We're going to freak drummers out by putting this out and all the rest of it. So it often takes someone just to go and do it for a while until, you know, it becomes normal, maybe. Um, then, you know, not going to chuck because um, arrows or do anything silly like that. But by the same token, it really wasn't that long until Pearl came out with their free floater after his right. world tour. Yeah. that he did visit the factory. Now, historically, you can probably date that actually maybe even Gretsch had sort of a version as well. So it's all a bit blurry anyway. Okay. But by the same time, it was just funny how it wasn't really that long after Dad's visit to right. Pearl. They go on, right, here's it. They might have had some designs. They actually, because it's a very open talk, they probably did run through some designs and had a look at things and he had similar designs. It wasn't just the one you see now or the one we had then yep. was what he was working with. But it's just, it's you know, again, you could look at it one way or the other. Yep. They might have just gone, right, there is something to this, but here's this design that we like that works. Very different to the Sleishman system anyway. Yep. Yep. Um, and it sats on a crowd. But again, what it did for us and probably helped give us a leg up in our, in our own little world and, and help keep that going was that opened everybody's eyes to getting stuff off the shell anyway. So it's a good thing. Yeah. Um, and also around that time, um, a guy by the name of Gary Gouger in America came out with this, this product called RIMS. RIMS, yeah. yeah, yeah. I was about to say that. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was all around. It's a very similar time. Similar time, yeah, frame. right. Yeah. Um, they met, all the rest of it. Um, Again, small business, and um, and that went off, you know, and that's just taking a, a TomTom mount off. Yeah, but, that's you it. know, 
Um, so, but we, you know, Don is a purist. He's like, nah, nothing on the shell, nothing. So even our legs were off, the, everything's off. We've oh, got, the legs are off as well? Yeah, right. everything. So yep. it's all mounted off the ring system. Okay. And we've got really cool um, springs that the floor toms sit on. Right. Short springs that right. like sound like, you know, it's like you hit the drums. And you, and oh, so it lets it. Yeah, it lets it sustain. Yeah, yeah. Any floor tom would Mm. Sounds better with them on there. Yeah. Um, just all those little things. Just he's a complete purist. He actually used to put them. He used to have um, um, even our own front bass drum spurs that were that were different to, to today as well. That also helped keep the bass drum off. Uh, you name it. Even to today, it's still things coming up with. You know, there's been oodles of revisions, and we've got a good system now that we've got that we've had since like wow. Well, the mid '90s, really, yep. but we've refined it and we've refined our, our shell cuts, our, our um, yeah, a whole bunch of the the workings of the drum to really suit the drum. Yep. So, any like any inventor, you just basically let the the product tell you what's happening, and then yep, you then sure. you work backwards from there. Yep. So yeah, and then he just you know came back and we went he went full steam under his own little belt out of the garage, and you know still was playing. We had another business. Um, mum and dad had a liquor store. We we're still just juggling all that. Again, it just grew and grew and grew. And then I think by yeah the um, the late eighties, yeah the late eighties to around about nineteen ninety. That's when he first got like the first actual factory premises, which was in um, Belmore. Mm-hmm. Not Belmore, Belmore Road Punch Bowl. That's right, mm-hmm. the old Punch Bowl with his first um, business partner, and it just kept going from there. And so yeah, so all the while there, so I'm 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 loving drumming, but never too serious. Yeah. Um, until about I was in year year seven actually. Um, so around the, the twelve mark, there was a school band. Mm. I went, yeah, I can do this. I'm Dave Sluishman. Mm. No problem. <laughs> I got this. But I didn't really know how to read or, and my drumming was just whatever I said my drumming was. It was not directed. Yeah. 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 And so that was that was the first wake up call. Yeah. Was like, okay. Um, I never forget too, my first like ever official gig would have been in that school band where they threw me on timpani. I'm like, man, I don't know what I'm doing. Like a drum, and man. it was exactly and what is this? What is this? This is big things that are gonna hit what the levers. <laughs> They're gonna tune, they go up and down, yeah. what do I sit? <laughs> and it was a band competition. Oh, so yeah. I'm like, I've got it. Like the pressure's on. Yeah. I never forget. It was only like a week after I joined the school band. Right. The curtains opened. And there's, the, there's the adjudicators. There, one down there. And a few people sitting there. I didn't play a note. <laughs> the sticks were just pointed up in the air. I'm just looking at everybody, looking down at the drums, nodding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's great. Didn't do anything. <laughs> then the curtains shut. And yeah. off we went. We did it. We did it, team. <laughs> that was my first gig. Yeah. Oh, the classic! But well, that, it is classic. And then it was, and then it was into the, into the nitty gritty. And Dad actually sat me down. There was a teacher um, there at the school that I had a few lessons with on the drums, and um, he saw what this teacher was showing me, and he's going, "Oh man, nah, 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 nah." I've talked about him today. Now he was always a bit scared of teaching me because, like, father teaching his sons, yep. an interesting scenario. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm right at that point at the moment. Um, with my little boy Zach, and we're 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 sticking to it. We're going for it. Good um, stuff. We'll have a little lesson in the morning, but um, it's just a case of yeah, you're always aware of maybe overstepping them up. But he, um, yeah, you know, you don't want to. 
it's sometimes you think maybe is it best for him to go to another teacher or whatever. So we did try that. Yeah, we we battled with that. But yeah, you know, I tried. Yeah. I've taught my taught my girls a few things. Yeah, and they've naturally got rhythm. Well, then they're there. But they don't want to. Yeah, that's well, an, it kills you. Yeah. Well, it was a similar thing for my two sisters, right? Dad had seen that with my two older sisters. And then I came along and I, I took an interest. Yep. Um, maybe yeah, that's maybe killer, though. It's got to come back because if they've got natural rhythm, how yeah. old are they? Uh, my oldest girl is nine yeah. and my youngest girl is six. And they both... Do they dance? At home. They don't... Yeah. They're not, not learning not, dancing. Not out learning dance, but... They're always singing, always dancing, always yeah, yeah. singing melody and tapping along to things. And you know, my oldest girl can. Well, they got it. She then. can play yeah, two yeah, or four. Yeah. You know, but oh, I don't like. I'm bored, Dad. Yeah, <laughs> it'll come around. They've got to have a yeah. reason for doing it. I mean, exactly right. If they can see something happening, yep. It's like you know, maybe they might be able to hold a, hold a tune or whatever. They can sing a bit. Yeah. And then they go, right, cool. I think maybe then come on and play drums. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Or whatever they want to do. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, then it, it's the natural thing and you can't ever program no, no, no. that no, at all. Right. And that's it's it's awesome to see. And then it's also drives you mad to see that the drive might not be the same as yep. what yours is. Yep. And that's with being a parent, like sort of, and coming from learning from a parent who had those concerns. Yep. And I still have those concerns. Mm-hmm. Um, however, it's also going, all right, well, if you're going to do this, man, you're going to do this. So that's sort of, it's getting that decision. Yeah. All right, we're going to sit down. And I put my teacher's hat on. Okay. I'm different. Yeah. Um, and then we, we we try to get through the lesson. Yeah. M- me maintaining my teacherism, like I would if I was teaching someone else. Gotcha. It goes okay most of the time. That's good. Yeah. It goes okay. Yeah. But... Um, He's he's getting there. Good stuff. And then we came like so. Going going back to me was um, I still remember it was, it was everything from right the way through from having to put together the beat like I always knew to do, but I just didn't do it. I was an expressive on the drums, mm-hmm. so I'd hear a TV theme like Hawaii Five O or something like that, and I'd go down and I'd just express on. A, this is prior to being in a, a institution where you got to or, or you know you got to. You gotta play in a band. You gotta do. You gotta play a role. Yep. This was the drums to me were almost like I almost saw them in, in the colours kind of perspective. And music to me has always been colours. Oh wow! That's um, great. And uh, even when I tinker on other instruments and all the rest of it. Mm. And, so, and and you see things and you see see visions and so not actual come up with kind of visions. It's more along the lines of visual helps. So with that, I'd be playing like the Hawaii Five-O kind of tom-tom groove and I'd be singing the melody in my head um, and even the start of it but then again I'd be also seeing like the, the start of the old one had the, the, the big tube and the, like the close-ups of the guys the, 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 you know the helicopters and yeah. the guys actually when the when the um, when it starts to, they're in the um, outrigger like canoe thing or whatever right and they're paddling along and you just you can feel them sort of paddling along and so you're playing. That was just me. That's where where you go to. And I think still to this day, like even leap leapfrogging over all that. If I've got to play a tune, or if I've got to learn something or mimic a style, mm-hmm. 
I'll naturally gravitate towards who I think that style is. Yep. And I'll pr- try to picture them playing yeah. them. Yeah. So if I've got to do a Purdy-esque thing, <laughs> I'm going to try to... I'll try to explain it. Yeah, try to explain it. But sit in the same sort of posture. I just I mimic you. everything I possibly can. And even if I've got to do something that's by somebody else and I try to sort of understand them, it's probably I've always been a visual kind of guy. Um, and that's that was it. But then getting into that, that structured thing where you've got a conductor counting you off in the school band uh, was, was confronting particularly when you had when you counted off the next tune was a different tempo and you've only just started playing and you know, I got yep. so thankfully dad came used to come and sit next to me uh, yeah. uh, of an arvo because he could which was which was which was a blessing that's awesome uh, at at my first few school sort of band practices so we'd be doing you know sergeant peppers and then la bamba and all these other rockies and all that sort of stuff so you know you help me i never forget i was doing there'd be sergeant peppers dun, 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 dun. that sort of dun, 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 dun. and then that groove and then we'd have to okay right that was done uh and then you have to sit and do la bamba so you count off it would be like dun, 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 dun. and so yeah that's about it and I, then the barber still sit there going, and it's good to have that guy. No, 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 no. <laughs> just, 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 you know, just, just bring it up in tempo. And I couldn't, and he's, and the conductor, like, just, but then dad's like, and I'm going, well, you know, fortunate to have that because, you know, kid, a lot of kids don't get it. And possibly some of the kids that don't get that might just give up, yep. you know, say, nah, not for me. I'm going to go kick the footy. Yep. Um, and it was, it was cool. So I was very fortunate that, that I got that, that takeoff. And then once a few things fell into place, that whole little world, the, the, the school band thing was cool. And I kept doing lessons with dad and then it all started coming together. Um, I got right into my rudiments. I got right into uh, other drummers. And of course, video VHS was still the thing. Yep. And the early um, modern drummer days were cool. Yep. The, actually, the early Zildjian days were, were the ones that, that stamped, in my mind, yep. um, Tommy Campbell, um, the early Vinnies, the Steve, the Steve yeah, Gaddett, Zildjian Day, Weckle, my God. Zildjian. Weckles, yeah. yeah and, and then, of course, it just all took off from there. And modern drummer was just, you know, we had every issue yep. for for reasons of a dad wanted to watch what everybody was doing because you of know course, yeah. every five minutes of someone else maybe having a having a crack at, at what you're doing we, we were he was in you know touch with we were getting articles in the in the modern drummers and yep it was just cool because you'd be listening to music and then discovering drummers through reading articles about them um, and they were already established and they were already these, these people that were esteemed in their business. Yep. So you know that this Bible that you had in your hands, the modern drummer, was guiding you in the right sort of direction. Mm. Um, Do you still read it? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I get it. We get the online subscription. Yeah, I, get it on and, yeah. um, I think they're doing a wonderful job of it. Mm. Um, their editor at the moment um, has been there for a while, uh, Mike Dawson. Mike Dawson, yeah. yeah. I listen to the podcast. He's a gun. Do you listen to them? Yeah. They've got a pop, the Modern Drum Podcast. I don't so much. That, yeah. Like I said, before we With Mike Johnson, clicked yeah. record, yeah. I'm not a, I, I, this is my sort of, I'm, I'm still 
pretty blank when it comes to podcasts. Not so after today. I've got to go, no way. No, you've it. got to share this shit. You've got to know what I'm, you're talking I'm, about. I'm knee deep in it. No, I'll share it. Yeah, you, well, you'll need to know. Yeah, yeah. You're talking about a podcast. Yeah, the the podcast. <laughs> so, you know, it's not chucking chucking those those biscuity chocolate things around the place. <laughs> you know, the pods. No. no. But like I said to you, like, for, for me, I discovered podcasts driving to and from gigs. Yeah, I, it's and such like we're a saying before you listen, you listen to music, and, and like you said, it's very music's moody, and it can hundred percent put you in the wrong. If you have a good gig, on, yeah, and then you listen, and then if you have a shit you gig, to some Floyd on the way home, and you're all depressed yeah. by the time you get home. Yeah, you want to nick yourself. <laughs> well, um, yeah, there's times where you flick through the radio, and you just got there's just nothing going. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's awful talk back or something, yeah, you know. Yeah. No thanks. Yeah. So yeah, it's 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 brilliant. So I should get into into those pockets and, mm. and and more so all sorts. Everything you know is involved with it. Yeah. Well, the modern drummer one, they they have a different segments. You know, they have sort of an okay. opening part, and then Mike talks specifically about um, some of the gear he's got in the studio that he's mm. reviewing. Mm. Mm. He has little sound snippets of it, and they talk about their favourite. Thing of the week, and it's oh, he's all over it. Fascinating, yeah. and, and Mike Johnston as well. Yeah, he's yeah. and again a real true. They're, they're students of the game. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And modern drummer guys were always held um, in a sense like one of the guys. I don't know if he was the guy before Mike, but there was another guy that was. His name was Rick Van Horn. Yep. Uh, who was managing editor for a long, long time there. And it's just these guys that you just were like that was just this godlike thing. Here we are down in Australia, and I'm reading about. All these dudes, so they yep. were the biggest things since sliced bread. Not yep. only the people in the magazine, yep. the lovely man that started, who's um, Ron Spagnati, mm-hmm. um, his family, and then you know you get to know you, you learn about the Zildjian family, you learn about Ooh. the Sabian family, you learn about the Pasty family, you learn all about these Bradys, you learn about, yep. and of course we knew them outside of that as of well. And we saw, and they sort of um, went were going nuts through the eighties as well. Um, it just seemed like a I don't know, you look back and nostalgia is always going to be, no matter what age you are, there just seems to be some pockets of your life you go, shit, man, I didn't realise how good I had it. And that, I think, which I'm probably talking now, would have been mid-80s through to the mid to late 80s or early 90s was just, it was peaking. Music was was peaking. Yep. Uh, And so that, and of course, drummers were still regarded and needed in every sense. Yep. Um, as opposed to you know the moment, which is you cra- you you you're crafting, you're getting your, your, all the rest of it together. But by the same token, if someone can't afford you in their band at the moment, then they've got to go off on their own acoustic tour. You yeah, kind of you you might get cut. So yeah. yep. unless you can bring more value to the to the table, mm-hmm. so it's it's just a case of um, again didn't realize how good I got it, I had it. But by the same token, we're still practicing, going hard, and getting into all sorts of drummers. Yeah. That time and and who were uh, your favourite? Not famous. Who were your favourite? Favourites. Favourite guys through that period. Through that period. Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, I think the rock thing really started taking on. Yep. Um, I was early on really into everybody. Um, Sounds was something that was important to me. There's still an album from the early '80s that I listen to. Like No Tomorrow. It's uh, Paul Simon's Graceland's. and that's um, got a number of great African yep. sort of players all the way through it. Mm-hmm. That set me up really well. And then leading me into um, sort of oh, the, the rock side of it, 
<laughs> it was more of the younger man getting a bit of his attitude. Um, I would definitely say early Guns N' Roses. Mm-hmm. Um, Rolling Stones, Charlie Watts was a massive influence. I went back and dug into the Beatles. Um, and, of course, um, guys like um, Simon Phillips, who came in as an ultra dude, um, over the top of that. So you're getting involved in these this, these these styles of music. Mm-hmm. And then because you're in this drummer's drummer's world, you're getting to see the, the, the best dudes at it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved Tommy Aldridge because yeah. I got, in, I got I into my white I saw a video the other day on Instagram. Still rocking it, man. Smoking drummers. How old must he be? The power he plays was in the position. 70s. Oh, Maybe. I think so. Yeah, I'm not quite sure. Cause he, I didn't think he was a young man in the 80s, to be honest. No, no. Um, like he looked old and that, there's that there was that Aussie, Aussie yeah. Osborne tour that he did with that red double kick yeah. he the looked Yamahas. old to me, yeah the Yamahas yeah, yeah he yeah. looked old then to, yeah, me, yeah. to me you know yeah but um yeah, he just but looks just, exactly the same <laughs> these drum solos used to get me going and of course Van Halen yep um I love them um did you get into the that sort of LA session type music yeah Toto because yeah because of the upbringing and still when I was a kid before I started developing my own like sort of vibe as to what was influencing what was around in my time when I you know there comes that time when you pop your head up and you start discovering yourself things for yourself prior to that yes of course so you you know Boz Gags was on um, again this is coming through Muso Mates Dads yep you know, yeah, Toto, yep. and to a lesser extent, like the Fleetwood Mac thing and yep. all that sound, the Eagles were sort of there, but still, they weren't the LA, LA session dudes. It was more like Steely Dan and... Gotcha. Um, not, I don't think they were East Coast, but um, the, the, the Muso's music was always there. That was bubbling. Absolutely. I took for granted, I've got to say, like, looking back, I took for granted all that stuff. Yeah. Because uh, it was just cool. It was just there, you know. Um, of course, yeah, Cobham, Monster. yeah. Yep. Um, cause they were around when I was young. It was like I banked them. Gotcha. For a while, for a good while. Yeah. And I, and I just was off on my own little discoveries. And of course, commercial music was huge. I was into all that sort of stuff, Bon Jovi, all that kind of business. Um, and with that, um, all the while, great drummers and going and seeing clinics outside of that. So you go, all right, my first ever drum clinic when I was a kid, dad took two and I was, not long after that whole lovely little school band ex- first school band experience uh, about 86 something like that maybe um, Kenny Aronoff um, oh, yeah. and then all of a sudden because I went and saw him it was like Kenny Aronoff become a god to me he was my he was my first modern drummer ep- uh, magazine episode yeah cool uh, edition yeah yeah first one I ever bought was, was awesome Kenny Aronoff yeah. and he had a story yeah, to the whole still thing still has and that's what got me you read his book Monster no I haven't it's great I should. Fantastic, yeah. They tell everything. Yeah. Yeah, well, see, and then it was, again, you're learning lessons all the while. Some lessons stick, some lessons just disappear, and you yep. imagine if all of them stuck, jeez. But um, Kenny's was the first one where it really stuck because, you know, I'm just a kid. Whatever, it's all new, the whole world's exciting. I think it was at the basement in town, actually, yep. um, from memory. And um, I'm there, so there's aqua big aqua tama kit and, mm. and i was sort of just there looking at him. he walks out and everyone's like Rah, you know it's a whole macho environment it's just all guys going off <laughs> to another guy's like Wah, and then um 
And I was like, this is awesome. And then the crowd sort of calms down. And he's still standing in his mic and he's, he's he said the classic line, less is more, right? Yeah. And uh, everyone's like, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> and um, I don't think I was joining in, but I was just there. Was just like, yeah, he said less is more. Yeah, cool. Great. Yeah. And, <laughs> and he sat down and um, just started playing, just a chord note kind of thing. Doom. And of course, and I just kept building and building and building. By the time it is all finished, I'm mad. And this is like probably 20 minutes later, you know. Then it cuts back to, yeah. That was the first solo or act of whatever you would call the clinic to yep. be done, and everyone just lost their shit. It was, yep. it was great. And then, and there was just those moments. That you yep. Just you go, oh shit, I'm a drummer. Yeah. You and you just you just feed off it, um, you know. And another bloke uh, that wasn't too long after that was actually Simon Phillips yep. that I went to as well. And at at Enmore. It was ridiculous. At the Enmore. I. Just after he joined Toto. I went to no no no. This is before before then. I think it could have been a Keith Richards. Or, oh, yeah. or a Mick Jagger, Mick Jagger, Mick Jagger tour. Yep. With Doug Wimbush was playing bass on was that Wimbush tour. Wimbush on bass, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Pre Living Color. Pre Living Color. Yeah. And um, it, I think it was the height at Kingsgate at okay. King's Cross. Okay. And um, Big Yellow Simon Kit. And it was just another one of those moments. There's just there was the the brilliant thing about these clinics is there's, there's there's just certain moments that stick out. The one with Simon was he come out and sat at the um, snare drum and was doing um, a snare drum solo, but then he started playing just with his fingers on top of yeah, the, his hands. Yeah. So in an interview, it was like he's playing trumpet yep. with both his hands, and he had the same amount of control as if he had his whole freaking hand playing them. And I'm yep. just like. This is ridiculous, and yep. it doesn't make sense. How does this happen? And I went home yep. and tried to do it. Down amongst other things, like where he's playing and he's he's doing the sweep from the cymbals down to his snare drum, and it just was this one constant white noise. Yep. It was just yep. one roll that it was a snare drum roll, but it was a cymbal roll, and there was no gap in the snare drum notes. So I'm yep. just there. My jaw was just this guy's just the freak. Yep. Let alone all this sick open-handed playing, and yep. um, I yeah, it was just gold. And then. Yeah, there was... And then the octobans and oh, the fuck, and what's that yeah. big fucking the gong, gong drum over there? What's yeah, yeah, the big gong drum. Yeah, 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 the whole thing. So I, first clinic I saw... But he did it all, and it all worked. He did it all, absolutely. And he still, he still has a similar setup today, I believe. <sighs> um, I saw his clinic at the Enmore. Mm. I'd only just first moved to Australia, actually. Mm, mm. First clinic I saw here, that was at the Enmore, and he'd just joined Toto. Yeah, right. Maybe he'd been there for 12 months or something like that. And then I saw him... Was it two, two, three years ago? Smoking, still. Far out, man. Mm. Just, just a monster. Yeah. You talk He's... about the solo. He started off really simple, and then he just started this octoban ostinato thing with his left hand, yeah. and then just, just, rip. and then he had this little, little twelve-inch cracker snare. <laughs> it was just off, just off to the right of his right leg, and he'd just go every now and then, he'd just go blah. Yeah. Doing the stuff. But, and then you could watch everybody in the crowd, they knew it was coming, and they, everyone would just go, when he hit this little 12-inch cracker snare, you know, it was fucking awesome. He said, then go, where do these guys come up with those ideas? I know, yeah, yeah. Because they're from a working drama kind of perspective. I, I don't want to freaking yeah, yeah. take another... Yeah. 
yeah. little snare drum along with me. That's you can't buy that rationale, unfortunately. Yeah. More, it's just more shit you got to carry around with you. Yeah. But these guys, right? That's their, that's their, that's their thing. And it's, it's always thing, been yeah. their thing. And yeah. and they they've got their suites set up. He's a producer. He's a gun producer yeah, as well. And um, it was just a case of that, that was the other thing too. It was like, hang on, this guy's actually producing music for people as well. He's a drummer. Yeah. And hang on. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, he's a smart cookie, so get into him. And, and that was one of those dudes. And then, of course, there was Weckle at the Enmore. Yep. That was the big one I saw at the Enmore. I still got a ticket. I saw Weckle at the basement. Yeah, right. He was out for the, for the Synergy, I believe the album was. Yeah, that's and it. The Dave Weckle band. Yeah. There's the stage. Mm. There's Dave's bass drum and there's me right mm. there like that. Mm. Oh, fuck. That's out, a man. gun. That Tom was Kennedy a gun album. album. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. Buzz. Yeah, yeah, playing guitar. Playing guitar. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um. Mm. Uh. uh Jay Oliver on. Jay Oliver was on keys. keys and yeah. uh, I'm just thinking, was it. Sax, dude. It was Sax. Oh, he's yeah. a killer, that Sax yeah, guy. Yeah, What's yeah. his name? He's uh, a gun. Um. Is it Weinhardt? Uh, bald guy. It, 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 name, name escapes me, but actually, that, that playing on that album. And the one before it, the rhythm of the soul, yep. were phenomenal. Yeah, and the hooks and the rhythms yep. and even the all of them are just just absolute guns. Yep. And you know, prior to that, he copped a pretty bad rap in a sense. A lot of people were ragging on Weckle for not being a pocket player. Yeah, well, this yeah, Synergy was definitely a pocket album. Great pocket album yeah. with all of that touch and all yeah. of that that yeah. that that brilliance that everyone sort of did heap crap on him because he fell. He's you know, there's Vinny, who's the absolute king of that world. Yeah. I still think. Yeah, know? I agree. No, no one can what it, what he conceives and actually pulls off on a drum kit. I don't think anyone's still able to do. Mm-hmm. May not be able to do. Um, he's just one of those dudes. Werkel was that classic, had that groove, had that feel, and could really make get a real good close thing to that. He like he's a, you could tell he's got a monster work ethic. Yeah. And going to his clinics, that was also what, what, again, was probably another thing that stuck out yep. to me. It was just how hard he was prepared to work right from a young man right the way through to what he's doing. Kenny was the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to continue to work. Like, work still putting out great stuff. Yeah, and he's, um, he's uh, got online school now, hasn't he? Yeah, online, online school. Yeah, yeah. Um, and always, always, he's a good businessman as well with what okay. he does. He's always putting out product, always putting out um, books. Um, and again, a true muso's muso. Yep. You know, heavy, heavy cat. Like, if you're going to survive in New York, you've got to, got to be pretty good. Mm. Um, and then again, make a monstrous name for yourself. Like So there was those cats that were around at that time. You're just yep. like, that phenomenal. By the same token, all my schoolmates were into, yeah, gunners and yep. all this other stuff. So you're, yep. getting all, you're getting all of this, yep. which formed me to be a overplaying rock drummer. Okay. Probably. Yep. It was probably my, my personality in the late 80s, early 90s, where I just would just play, you know, your first bands. Yeah. Song structure, yeah, good. I could fit that. Whatever. Top yeah. yeah, I could fit that. I've played. I there. reckon I could fit that. What do you mean the singer's trying to put their lyrics there? <laughs> what's What's he even singing about? What, what's he even talking? I don't think my first band I knew what our songs were about. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah. I'm playing drums. Yeah, yeah. I'm here. Yeah. So I did definitely have a wake up call when we first got gigging. You know, first bands out of school was a rock outfit. Caught us a toolbox. <laughs> toolbox, yes. Toolbox. 
Brilliant. And we um, we were just doing all the old, a whole bunch of old rock standards as well as some of the maybe, you know, Rainbow and things like oh, that yeah. as well, like a few eclectic kind of yeah. bits and pieces thrown in as well and some... And it's some cool stuff, a little bit of maybe some in excess and some, um, well, it's cool stuff, just more commercially accessible. And then there was um, some whatever, Steve, some Stevie Winwood, whatever the first band he was in, the Spencer Davis group, things like that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, playing the shit out of it, out of the drums. And there was a guy that Sean, his name was, he owned a Sleeshman kit, one of the early ones, mm-hmm. came to search, oh, Donnie's son's doing a gig, I'm going to go check it out. And he brought a mate somewhere in town. And we're doing it. We're, you know, it was a great gig, and I come off awesome. And I knew there was a drummer there watching because uh, what are you going to do? You're going to play overplay more than you probably already overplay. <laughs> and he, he said, I'll never forget, he's ready to the drum media. We'd come off stage, he's ready to the drum, sit there ready to the drum. And I was going, Sean, how are you doing? Uh, yeah, good, good. He said, uh, Did you have fun? Yeah, I had fun. It was great. What do you think? And it's just all I can remember him saying, I don't know, whatever. As I said, it was very busy. <laughs> it was very busy. He didn't say anything bad. He just, you know, was very busy. And boom, boom, boom. That's the way he said it too. Yeah, he yeah, got, his message t- was received. Tone, yes. His message was received. Yeah. Because um, up until then, it's just all your mates come along and saying, oh, you guys are awesome, all yeah, that man. sort of stuff. But it wasn't yeah. until a muso came along and saw it or another drummer that, you know, obviously knew he had to have issues together in the band that he was in. Mm. And then it's going, right, what am I doing? What am I doing? Okay, cool. I've got to maybe calm down a bit. Yep. And do the right thing, and the guys were very appreciative of that in the band, <laughs> you know. Um, and then that kind of kept developing, and one band led to another, and then we were growing ourselves. It was morphed into another band, and we we got going. And by the mid nineties, we were getting around a bit. We we're called Drive. We were the original <laughs> Drive, because you know you got like you know for a little for the last for quite a while, there's Peter Northcote's had his Drive. Oh yep, yep. Um, and yeah, we won some band comps and did all that. Got on TV on a, on a thing called Ground Zero, and all the while, Dad's got the band business kicking along. Everything's everything's cool, and I'm out there. I had to get out to work, and I was working a you know a day job as well as gigging, and um, I just got bored. I got bored like halfway through this band thing. We were supporting Savage Garden musically. It just wasn't happening for me. It just didn't feel like we could make the jump to the next level yep so i went on a process of discovery wasn't necessarily just bored at any one person or any one thing it was just i feel like i've plateaued so i've gone right i'm gonna have to look at doing something differently um probably look at going back to study on the drums which i did started studying with david jones uh who was playing our drums at the time and what a what an awesome eye opener that was they were some of the most informative lessons. I only had a few with him. Mm-hmm. And they were enough just to just to put me on a, a nice musical sort of footing again. Um, so unbeknownst to me and looking back at where I've sort of where my head naturally goes is into music, I kind of a young man ran away from what he was supposed to be doing and, and um, pulled me back in as a drummer further along through going and it was music that I was looking for the whole time. This makes sense. I'm actually playing music, but I'm overplaying. I'm not listening. Um, I'm playing in an outfit that really probably wasn't where my heart was at. I didn't know where my heart was. It was sort of a real interesting time. And then I went out and, uh, you know what, I just got to get into music. I just got to do something. I don't know what it is. I, just, I became a, 
um, you know, an audience member. I would go out and see and try to meet people and just 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 have some inspiration somewhere. And one night I ended up finding myself on the bottom bar at Kinsella's. It was a Thursday night. This is mid nineties. Um, 94, 95, and um, it was this band called Professor Groove and the Booty Affair that were playing, right? Yep. And it was Calvin on drums. Calvin, yep. Alex Hewitson on bass. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was a guy named Brendan St. Ledger on keys, and Josh um, on guitar, as well as Professor, which is Roland Caffra. Yep. And these guys just blew my head off. Yep. And they were just doing old funk standards. Yep. You name it, you know, the meters, um, Commodores, disco-y stuff mixed yep. in, all of it, you know, and I'm just sitting there going, oh, shit, and then the motherfuckers playing this stuff, right? Um, and it just became an obsession, and the music became an obsession, the whole funk, soul thing, and I've just kind of found, I've gone off, oh, I think I've, I think I'm, <laughs> I think I'm done, I think I've found my moment, I find myself going to record stores and, you know, CD shops and all this stuff, just digging, I read a bit about this because you hear about all this stuff through the grapevine reading on drummer and all this sort of stuff was coming back to me and I'm this drummer, this drummer, this drummer. I just ended up on this journey of just trying to find the funkiest music I possibly could. I possibly could. And um, and again, you're coming up against Bill Withers and Parliament and all of that stuff and, of course, the meters. And then, well, I've got to go, I've got to go. So I went... Travelled into America and timed it for a couple of little trade shows. It was like a summer now they were doing. I went to New Orleans, I went to Chicago, yep. went to Boston, I went to LA. Just saw some amazing music spewing because I missed the meters by a, a night or two. I just didn't do my research in New Orleans. Um, but just, you know, soaked it up and then came back and was after that, was like, right, I've got I to do something about this. So yep. formed a funk band with a singer from the originals band and Sam Bennett and then we, we we got going and had a lot of fun had a lot of fun it probably sort of towards the tail end of what probably was back then one of Sydney's I can remember funk renaissances yep uh, was the late 90s yep um, to the early 2000s and so we would still we'd go out and we'd do all this stuff we'd we were called Bedusi and we would um, we'd do all of those kind of Professor Groovy, Funk Standards, plus whatever else we felt we could get our hands on. Started writing our own bits and pieces. It was fun. But all that while, I'm just like, you know, how, how much more funky can I be? Yep. How much more funky can I be? Um, and so I just, there was no bigger influences on me at that time, no matter what I was listening to, was Terrapire Richmond mm-hmm. and Calvin. Mm-hmm. Well, and I still tell him to this day, I'm like, dude, you were, he's like, oh, Dave, man, shut up. You know, yeah, yo, uh, yo, Dave, yo, shut up, Dave. shut up. I ain't your thing. And then, <laughs> and it was just like I had to. I just got into it, and of course, you know, back and you know, and then our band was able to support Dig as well, and bits and pieces, and it was just, just a great. Again, another real monstrous learning curve, and that set me up massively. Uh, and to this day, I'll still say, yeah, that's if I'm going to sit on a chair and find my home it'll be playing that sort of stuff you know love the funk love the soul i love the um the musicians everybody based in it um the real feel of you feel like everybody's got their place and they hold it together and then of course you know any other good music comes along yeah why not yep but that's that's cemented my playing and then um from there it's always been a 
uh, from a teaching perspective, I still teach drums. It's always been a, um, you know, get your shit down, get your rudiments down, yep. get your coordination down, yep. make sure you're in tune with your groove, um, and also as quickly as you can, maybe not as long as I took to do it, but find your place in the music yeah. that you're playing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then sit and just do the best possible job you can by it, which was cool. So we did that, and then all of a sudden, um, a singer-songwriter friend of mine came back from being overseas, uh, and I found myself playing country-esque kind of music. Mm-hmm. But my roots in the, the, the funky stuff... Yep saw fit with that and so I, I was sitting in and I was able to give a, a nice vibe to this to this country stuff um, there's a guy by the name of Luke O'Shea who's gone on to win all kinds of things we had a we had a band called Luke O'Shea Medicine Wheel then he ended up um, going out on Luke O'Shea and he's won all kinds of gold guitars and stuff he's yep. Still, I think, one of Australia's best songwriters, mm-hmm. honestly. Um, gets to the heart of the matter. Because you get out to Tamworth. I've mm. seen Every year. Yeah, yeah, I've seen yeah. Facebook. Every year. And um, fast forward to now, there's, you know, like with everybody, there's so much in between. But um, it's funny, I've got a gig in Tamworth for the first time this year during the festival that's got absolutely nothing to do with country music. Right. So we're, we're kicking off the festival on the 18th of January, which is their first night of festival is one of the biggest sort of rooms up there with my 80s show yep. which yep. is called never ending 80s yep. Yep. i love it yeah, and i just love this thing we do with the never ending 80s in in tamworth, yeah, tamworth. Cool. in country and it's almost sold out cool well let's talk yep. a little bit about that yeah never ending 80s yeah yeah cool yeah. um never ending 80s band has been a bit of a revelation to me is in um, nostalgia as yep. to how much people really oh. their hearts are where they grew up you, man. like everything I've just been gabbling on about you know this kind of band sort of reminds me of, of that time um, I didn't know about that side of it when we were thinking about putting this together and it's just kind of blown up mm. and that it's it's very it's at the moment hit a real good hotbed and lots of people come and see it looks like they're, it they're really enjoying it yeah so we're able to it's a national touring band we're going. We're covering oh, the length awesome. and breadth of everywhere, um, and it's same sort of deal wherever we go. People are dressing up in their eighties outfits. That's what I do. You know, you've got you know? your characters. And yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, yeah. I like your, the Facebook post too. You popping up the stars every mad. now and then. It's, it's great. Fun. It just oh, it takes you back, man. I think the eighties was a time when people were well. So now sort of you can look back on it, but people were innocent to a degree of what the rest of the world was like. We didn't have the internet. Um, there was always great music around us and it was made by musicians, yep. regardless whether it was the saccharine pop or it was still really cool musos sort of music. Yep. Um, high end, low end, whatever you want to call it, it, it was people creating, which still to me is, is, is very much part of it, but it was also the first part where you know synth and uh, drum machines you know yep. the Rollins the Lindrums the, the Fairlights all yep. this sort of stuff the drum all, cats and the drum cats right yeah, they yeah. all started popping up and yep. it's like what is this this is all crap but electronic drums Simmons drums like octa, yeah. those octopads yeah, and all that yeah. sort of crazy yeah. stuff I still remember that and um, it's just cool nostalgia to, to be involved with I just didn't realise how much people would love it yeah. the whole idea was that we put together a really good band uh, that we played you know, 
dance floor fillers that would, would, would get out there and would have fun and we didn't think there was many other people doing it and it just ran and it kept running and kept running and kept running how so long now, has it been now? Um, oh, two and a half years yeah two and a half years and so yeah we had our first show at the bridge which was awesome and then just from there it's gone on got a good agent got Harbour yep. uh, good management um, Jeff Trio co-one great band members you know Adam Gorecki who's the co-owner of the band with me on guitar passionate um, always working hard um, behind the scenes as well massive job um, which bears fruit it gets people to gigs Facebook is a boon anybody that's involved in music or anything whatsoever they want to promote you really can make Facebook work for you absolutely providing you got you know the right product and then the, the just a non-stop sort of idea of it um, it's a it's a mass market product so it requires a, a different type of thinking than just being a cool muso yep you, you, you depart from it um, and then from that we um, so we're always throwing it's music movies yeah you know yeah pop culture all that sort of stuff at it and we've got great guys our front guys um, um, we're, I keep, we call him JC Hollywood but his name's Jason Cruz fantastic front guy you know, gets to the heart of the matter, knows the, the again, it's a similar age, knows the, knows the era. Yep. We've put together a show with lots of great banter that, that's all from it. And he's also a trivia guy. He does trivia if you're not sweet. So we do 80s trivia nights. So one, the first Thursday of a, of a month, we do our own 80s Facebook trivia, which is its own world of fun as well. So just people just pop online and play trivia with us. That's and cool. he hosts it and it's really well put together. Uh, he puts together a lot of our vision, a lot of our videos. Um, of course, Julianne Sisto has been with us. We call her Jules Electric. She's a phenomenal singer. She works in a number of, uh, with a number of great people around town. Uh, Sebastian uh, Sauls on bass. Very all very good musos, you yep. know. Um, and we, we we work hard to uh, deliver a good show. Uh, you know, two times a week, three times a week at the moment. Yeah. And then you've got to pick up and yep. come and run a drum business yep. and, and be a family man. Mm-hmm. But it's um, it's a great time at the moment because playing-wise, it had dipped. We were yep. all doing little bits and pieces, yep. going out and working, earning your money, and then going, nah, yep. <laughs> I don't know. But now we've got this thing at the moment. And again, everything's only temporary, you know, of in course, music. Yeah, we'll yeah. just see how long this goes for at the moment. It's on a purple patch. Uh, we're confident it'll go for a little while yep. and, um, and we'll keep rocking it. We're just having fun with it. And it, because of the nature of it, it's a two-way street from a, you know, and it always is that when you've got a good audience, you vibe off them, they vibe off you. And we're just, it's such a good thing to have a good number in the audience Ooh. all there for one reason. Yeah. And it's an interesting setup because they're not always just music lovers that are coming. They're just people that love the era. Yeah, yeah. So... So they're dressing up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they're, not, they're probably not normally going out and seeing gigs. So it's their big night. Yep. So we're able to offer them a big night. They take... <laughs> they go nuts they with it. They have a big night. Yeah. <laughs> and so that, in turn, that energy comes back at you. And they're yep. having a big night. Yep. You know, you're there. We're supporting their big night a lot of the time. Yep. But again... You know, we're a band, so we're, we're delivering the show. Um, and so that's been gaining a good momentum. And so, yeah, it's a big juggle. And I'm playing drums as much as I've ever played. My body's starting to feel it at <laughs> yes. times. 
Yep. A little bit of the RSI on Sunday. Yep. Crept in on the third gig. Yep. In the uh, in the thumb. In the thumb. Yep. Hadn't had that for a while. Right. And my right shoulder. Yeah. Right in here. More repetitive shit, man. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's a, really? Is that kind of? Is it coming down? Uh, it it does, but it sort of gets my neck and and then I get the pins and needles on my fingers sometimes, you know. So. So that's my, yeah, that's the whole getting old. <laughs> it is, and I hear, I heard my man talking about it and all the rest of it. So you yeah. sit there and go, shit, yeah. I am getting old. So, okay, yeah, yeah. so I've got to start thinking about what I'm doing. That's right. Yeah. Just thinking about, okay, I actually am playing more open-handed. Okay. Um, to to sort of cut down the eighth note, because again, you've got to you've got to drive an audience. You got yeah. to, you know, you got that, at your, and then go, oh, okay, cool. You know what? It is mic'd up. I've got to. I, I got to calm down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and play um, according to my stamina. But gotcha. it's a big show, yeah. and um, it's improved. I, it's improved my playing again in and, and other elements. Of course. Yeah. Um, and again, playing with great guys always will do that. But um, yeah, and then it becomes not just being a drummer. You're involved in it from the decision making processes as well. Which is also a big learning curve, yep. and then instantly seeing how that that transpires on the gig. Yep. The people that turn up, how many numbers you got that night? You know, did this new song go well? Yep. yep. You got a big crowd to look after. Yep. You know, or a big crowd to disappoint. So you you, you kind of you, you, it's a bit of responsibility. Gotcha. And yeah, it's it's a band, and and um, so that was good going back from like being the like the last real sort of musical situation I found myself in before that was uh, like supporting a songwriter which is great but you know it's whatever man whatever you want me to do exactly. I'll do it yep. that's cool this is good and and that's good to have that head on you know to, to serve the music as mm. best you can but then when you're in the driving seat of a pumping um, sort of show that's yep. a whole other ball yep. game as well yep. so um, yeah we'll just see how long it all awesome. holds up that's yeah and, and uh, so We'll sort of we'll start to taper it off, I think. So yeah, how's cool. um, what sort of how's the future looking for Schleichman Drums? Good. Good. Um, yeah. Um, so new, new products. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Don't you have to tell us, but oh no no no, I'm happy to tell you. Um, we've had one in the works for a while, mm-hmm. um, and it's had a few revisions, so it's kept it back. But we're right on top of it, and about to press go yep. um, properly with it which is our new version of the twin pedal oh, okay and an, and an addition to that is a single pedal as well right so oh, you, you don't make a single pedal now it's just not at the moment yeah. no yep. we've dabbled yep. bits and pieces nothing serious okay um, and the way we're manufacturing it lends us to why not why wouldn't you make it because it's actually going to be all made out of the same parts as what the twin pedal is so there's not a lot of Yep, um, casting type no, moulds and no, yeah, no. yep. and a lot of it's a great method of CNC manufacture. So uh, yeah, and the exciting bit is I know how very very good this pedal is. Awesome. So very excited because we've got a couple of working prototypes. But the old man's still got his hands on. Won't let us go off because I was we're going to say you, you probably you get that chance to go prototype those things, don't you? Yeah, of course. Right, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and then I guess you don't want it to fail in front of. No. Thousand people. That's right. That's right. We've been doing it long enough to have learnt enough lessons. Okay. Ah, yeah. Those and that's ones. one of them. Yeah, yeah. Just know for sure before you. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. So there's always a process. So before, so we're ready to go on it, but we will do a pre-production run to test our 
everything. Okay. You know, the manufacturer side of it. Yep. It's what we did with our drone, what we do with every product. So it takes ages. And for a small business, I think it takes even longer. Yep. You can be more nimble as a small business in some respects, but by the same token, it means more uh, when you have success. Yeah, it also means more when you stuff up. So you've got to be able to, um, to make sure you don't. There's a lot riding on it. So yes, uh, we'll do a pre-production batch that'll select a few of us will, will play the shit out of. Um, make sure that everything's right. Um, but yeah, all things being said, you know, the pedal's been around since 71. Yep. If there's something to know about it, we pretty much know about it. Awesome. And, then, and then from there, it's just a good take on, on what we do, plus add some added extras. So I'm very excited because it's like it's a new pedal. Yeah. It's that different. It's same setup, same seating position, but that's probably where it all stops. It's cool. it's a very different setup and extremely powerful. So from that side, yeah. Um, and with the drums always refining, we're not gonna be changing our free floating setup at all. It just yep. works, mm-hmm. but we're always shell components, yep. sizes of drums, kits. Because yep. you've you just recently brought out a short bass drum type yeah. kit that I saw Steve yeah, Steve Marin playing, was yeah. pretty much the first one. Yeah. So we look to the best of our ability. We're going to go into a production sense with it as well. Yeah, yeah. And is that, is that in is that in your kind of competition to like the sort of the Quest Questlove Breakbeats yeah, type in small sense, footprint type, yeah. type setup? Yeah, it yeah. falls into that category. Yep. Um, but obviously high end. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas the break Breakbeats is. Yeah. You d- yeah. And. I want someone, like our small drums have always, so the thing with our system and the way we make our drums, small drums really speak volumes for what that gives, yep. the system gives. So, so they're a good advertisement for it. Yep. Um, and so our bebop kits, like little, little 18 by 14s, yep. 14 inch floor times, even small, smaller 12 inch drums, they really work for us. Um, yep. And people go, wow, you're getting all that sound out of that little drum. Mm-hmm. So seeing other drum companies go all right we've got to, got to get the shorter drums going it was almost like yeah cool good on you go for it go do it no yep. problems that was years ago i think premier premier were one of the first ones to bring it back into the forefront of people that had a little short bass drum and okay most companies nowadays have got sort of the smaller drum versions of it yeah um and for us it's like we know you get more from our shells so we might as well give it a go yeah and man it's just ridiculous Killer. the drums are just singing yeah um, and as well as that, you get all this punch. But for, uh, yeah, so for us, it's more or less going, all right, you're getting more bang for your buck because you're taking up less footprint on a stage. So that was the main thing. Like, you know, it's just gotten to the point where um, the business is what it is. Yep. And drummers are often required to do just little spots yep. on little stages, yep. acoustic stuff. I'm not dissing the cajon thing mm-hmm. but it's not a drum kit yeah. <laughs> right yeah. and you get up there you play the cajon and it's all cool and it's great but you're just this guy sitting on a box yeah and i'm a drummer yeah, yeah I, got you. I want to play drums yeah yeah <laughs> so you know okay so that was the reason why the calling so oh, we can't fit you on the stage man or you know it's a like, okay what's the what's the closest we can come to that and actually have our own thing going that's still a solution still sounds good which is this 20 by nine yep. bass drum, fat as, yep. 10 by six or 12 by six or both 14 by nine floor mm-hmm. tom. And at the moment we're going back to our old piccolo 
which is a 14 by three mm. piccolo cracker yeah but because the two heads are close together you can tune it down and get the sensitivity and still get a really fat sound from it like a low yeah kind of thing yeah that you don't really need a bigger snare drum yeah uh so it's kind of like yeah you can crank it up and do the whole 90s kind of you know r&b thing with it um or tune it back down and i, I love a um again a piccolo and i think if there's a tip in maybe um drum world kind of trend i think Possibly, this Piccolo's has been going out on a limb. Maybe the piccolo might be coming back. Yeah, I've heard that a little bit. We might have to help lead the charge on it because yeah. ours has got its own great little that that thing where it's free. Yeah. So it can get low. Well, I've I've it can got get low. you were t- talking earlier about how Pearl, and you, you sound like you're getting quite passionate there, and maybe you thought that Pearl might have stolen your idea. Oh no, got, no, 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 I know, I know, I know what you mean. But, it's, I've got but a, it's, I've got it's, just, pearl, it's just I've interesting. Got a pearl free floating piccolo. Yeah. That I've had since the early nineties. Crack. Yeah, crap. Brass? No, it's it's maple. Maple. Yeah. Right. Great. Killer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's a yeah, no problem. We like it was more along the lines of going. It's just a what, funny coincidence. Coincidence. Yeah, that's that's what I meant. Maybe that I we went and did it. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. Like, look, you can grey area point the finger, but no, it's no. more the kind of going. They probably had the design. Yeah. Or, yeah. or, or like I said, Gretsch probably had a had a design as well. Yeah. Um. And if maybe this is oh there's something in this maybe we should go maybe just that it those those meetings maybe help spurn it on spurn it on yeah, uh, yeah you know it's not just us type thing. yeah yeah, yeah. And, which yeah. I think is a really good thing yeah because it opened up a lot of people's um, sort of minds to it and ours is different yeah so which is cool and then you look at it and go well you know there's there's a trend unfortunately drummers are um, at times battling to get themselves onto the stage these days. Yep. I really, I hate saying that. Yeah, no, it's true though. Um, yeah. But it's a case of, all right, well, let's get them on the stage and give them more reason to get on the stage. Especially with, bands with, um, you know, that are sort of self-running PAs and, yep. you know, the, the band members yep. run the PAs, so the PA is actually on the stage. Yes. Just takes away that tight yeah it's tight and it's and also for traveling bands as well yeah yeah um, we've uh one of the other early models went to um uh nice young um brisbane based drummer or sunny coast uh drummer um logan who actually at the moment plays with um adam brand who's a pretty well-known like country dude dude. and they're flying around and they're flying all their gear so everything okay. is they're, so they're going to do an outreach kind of gigs all over the place yep. and it's a really good thing because they're getting out and, and you know getting to people but because they're, they're moving all the gear that was the other thing he saw it and going wow this might actually do the, the, the work for us this mm. could save us the space save us the weight all the yep. rest of it yep. and I hope it's, 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 it's helping him do that um, so that was another byproduct okay you could, if you need be you can go and get on a plane with, with the kit yeah. and it probably don't, won't break that um, you know, if you double up and get that sixty-four kilo kind of situation, right. um, where you find yourself, uh, you can buy that extra pretty much with Virgin. Then all of a sudden, you got a kit you might be able to take with you. Great. So there's all those things. Or if you, you know, if you're a drummer that's decided to get a sports car, <laughs> which a mate of mine has as well. Yeah. yeah. A mate of mine has, yeah. and he's gone, oh, sh- I, yeah, this is great. Now I can fit the drums in my car. I go, what are you talking about? <laughs> Where's your wagon? Yeah. Where's your wagon? Yeah. Yeah. So there's all of that and there's all always something new and we're always um, mucking around with um, materials and, and all the rest of it. And enjoying making drums 
on a smaller scale for guys to, again, really, really, really get into it and sort of why someone wants a particular kit, the sound they need. Gotcha. You know, and then what I get excited about, go, okay, this is what we can give. And, you know, it all goes and goes from there. So, yeah, it's, it's cool. So as much of that, bring it on. But seriously, 2019, looking very much forward to the pedals. The Great. pedals, the pedals, the pedals. Great. Yeah. Watch the space. Pedals. And 2019, living in 1989, maybe musically as well. So Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Really yeah. good. So that's me. Awesome, that's man. me. Dave Sleeshman, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Uh, thanks, bro. I really enjoyed the chat, man. It was really cool. Thank you. Yeah. Cheers, Steve. No worries, man. Cool. Take it easy. You too. Thanks, bro. Thanks, bro. <laughs> <laughs>